0: Spirit, Spirit, hey! Spirit Don't you know your brother's Spirit. hungry? Don't you know your sister's Spirit. lonely? Don't you know there's babies crying? Don't you know your brother's dying? Greetings. I'm Dr. Anthony Smith of Shea Center for Enrichment, and welcome to Black Folks Do Therapy, where we endeavor to challenge you to think critically about your mental health and overall wellness. Our goal is to inspire you to align your actions and values so that you might live your life fully, 86,400 seconds every single day. We do this in part by asking questions and raising issues that you may not have previously considered. Ultimately, we encourage you to do those things that help you to live your best life consistently, always working towards balance. Today, we are in College Park, Maryland,
1: not Maryland. It's Atlanta. So just say we're in Atlanta. <laughs> we're in Atlanta,
0: everybody. Atlanta. <laughs> we're in Atlanta. <laughs> and we are joined by Dr. Ifeitaya Ojelade, who is a psychologist here, and she has a practice, the healing paradigm, yeah, or a healing a paradigm. paradigm. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in College Park, Maryland uh-huh. with Dr. Bishop, uh-huh. and I kept saying, no, I kept saying Silver Spring. It was oh, like College Park. College <laughs> I kept saying Silver Spring, College, College Park. Park. And so now I'm in College Park. Just like, say Atlanta.
1: I <laughs> so. had a situation one time where a woman was going to try to come visit me. And I was like, "Look, well, we can set up a meeting. And she thought she could come locally. She was in College Park, Maryland. And I was like, no, I'm in Atlanta. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Wow. That's a big difference. Yes, big difference. Wow. Okay. So... Well, thanks for welcoming us, welcoming us into your practice. We're so so happy to be here today.
1: Yeah, thank you for coming.
0: Yeah. So to start off, why don't you t- say a little bit about what your practice is all about? How did you come up with the name A Healing Paradigm?
1: Hmm. OK, so I didn't come up with the name. So my former spouse came up with the name. Mm-hmm. It was the name of his business, and I really liked it because mm-hmm. I like the idea of people having a worldview. And maybe, and particularly because I specialize in traumas that people can have a pretty negative worldview. And so for them to have a paradigm shift, so a healing paradigm, it's like you have a shift to a more positive worldview. Mm -hmm. So I adopted the name. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years later, I went into practice. And then I grew into this whole practice and where we focus on counseling, psychological assessments, and continuing education workshops. And and also community workshops, and we do that for the entire family. Mm -hmm. And then also continuing education for professionals.
0: Okay, great, great. Yeah. So your practice has a focus on working with the community.
1: Yes, definitely, mm-hmm. um, and particularly, I mean, we're in Atlanta, so this is a predominantly Black city. So, yes. mm-hmm. um, predominantly, we work with people of African descent, but mm-hmm. we also um, work with lots there of other folks yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So, what do people when they come into your practice? What is their reaction typically? Working, walking into a. African-centered practice where they, they're seeing people who look like them mm-hmm. everywhere they live? Mm-hmm. What, is, what is that like for them?
1: So, um, people usually have this sense of, like, relief when they come in, and then particularly because like from the moment that they first walk into the practice to going all the way back to, and going throughout the offices, it, very, it has this feeling like a place where it's like family and community is not sterile. Mm-hmm. And so people are always commenting on that fact. And they're like, oh, okay, I didn't expect that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Okay, okay, and so then there's a sense of comfort that comes yeah. that allows them to relax and mm-hmm. you to get into doing the work.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I think because of the way that it looks and because people, because of who we are and just the decor here, it makes people feel like more comfort, um, feel, have more comfort and just less guarded. And even I noticed that people, um, that aren't of african descent they like really kind of pay attention and stuff like even the picture behind you mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. it makes people think it's a bridge and it seems like it's going to somewhere but they're not sure if it's going mm-hmm. like where it's going where is it going? <laughs> yeah so <laughs> uh-huh. like uh-huh. people are always commenting on the office okay all right good
0: so let's jump into the work that you do let's what talk. is this practice all about tell us about all the different things that you do and mm-hmm. the clinton and the various clinicians that you have
1: mm-hmm. So, like I said, we work with the, the entire family. So, um, we do adults and children, mm-hmm. and children start in about five years and up, and we offer counseling. The specialty here is we focus specifically on trauma recovery, mm-hmm. and that's because that comes really out of the work that I do, and particularly the work that I do looking at kind of alternative or... Indigenous African spiritual practices, and how people use those as a mental health intervention. Mm-hmm. That was the work that I did as um, a researcher, and when I was coming out of school, and that's kind of how I've integrated that work into the clinical practice now. So, all the people that work here get trained in African-centered psychology, they get trained in um, complementary and alternative healing practices, so they kind of know how to use those, or if people are, using those practices and they come here then they'll know what the people are talking about Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the focus in terms of counseling and then we just do a variety of assessments so you name a type of a psychological assessment whether it be for children or for adults then we do those sometimes it's because um, an organization or a business may have required somebody to do an evaluate psychological evaluation or we do them when people just decide that they want a um, psychological evaluation because they want to see what's going on with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, all yeah. right. So you mentioned African centered psychology. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on what that is and why that's important?
1: Um. So the way that I look at it is kind of a little bit different. It's all about worldview. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we know about psychology and in terms of people showing up to therapy and particularly our people, we know that our people are having mental health conditions at the same rate as everybody else in the United States. Mm -hmm. But they're either not showing up to therapy or when they show up to therapy, they're terminating really early. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times people will jump into this idea of like, oh, black people, that there's just a. Stigma. Um, And that is one part is that Mm -hmm. people do have a stigma about seeking mental health treatment, but that's a small portion. There's also a lot of historical racism and current racism Mm -hmm. in our field. I mean, you know that because you're a psychologist. And so that impacts the therapy that we do. But then also, a lot of the therapeutic interventions or a lot of the techniques that psychologists are using. Don't fit with the worldview in the way that black people move through the world.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And
1: so African centered psychology is really an understanding of people of African ancestry and how we relate to each other, how we interact with ourselves, and being able to bring interventions and in that worldview in the counseling room.
0: Okay. So would it be fair to say that black people are then centered and as opposed to put? Taking something else and putting it on them, they're then centered, and then you can work with them from an image, their own perspective.
1: Yeah. So it's about yeah. So it's about like worldview and perspective, right, and yeah. so recognizing that the people that are being treated that their worldview is at the center, um, as opposed to when you and I went to graduate school, what we learned is psychology, and it's labeled psychology, but it's really indigenous psychology Mm -hmm. in terms of Western indigenous psychology for Europe people of European descent. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And we don't call it that. So we don't call it (laughs) European or white psychology, right? right? right, We just call it psychology. Because we act like it's applicable to everybody. And it's not applicable Mm -hmm. to everybody. And so black psychology is the recognition that there's a particular worldview Mm -hmm. in terms of how people of African ancestry relate to each other and connect with Mm -hmm. spirit. Mm and being able to bring that into the therapy room.
0: Absolutely. So, could you unpack just a little bit so people understand, mm-hmm. you mentioned historical racism mm-hmm. that is prevalent in the field of psychology. Can you just say a little bit about how that has manifested? Um, I think about even the rat was white, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and Dr. Guthrie's mm-hmm. you know, treatise on that. But can you just say a little bit so people know what that is and why it's important to understand that and then juxtapose that against why it's necessary to have a uh, African centered perspective in rela- in dealing with people of African descent.
1: Sure. Um. Lots of times people haven't heard of the term, and I'm sure you've heard of it, is drapedomania. And I'm probably saying it wrong. I don't know. I think it's drapedomania or drapedomania. From looking at the term, it's drapedomania. It's an old school term that Mm -hmm. Samuel Cartwright came up with. He Mm -hmm. was a medical doctor during the time of enslavement in the Mm mid-1800s. And it's really interesting to see. um, I don't know if you've ever read read the primary resource Mm -hmm. of where he's talking about the psychology of enslaved Africans. Mm -hmm. And he's basically saying that there's a mental illness that enslaved Africans have that is causing them to not wanna work, that Mm -hmm. causes them (laughs) to try to run away. Mm -hmm. Um, Who would
0: would think you would do that?
1: I mean, it's crazy. (laughs) And so then he has a psychological term and then he has this, these ideas of what to do to treat this mental illness. And part of treating that mental illness is beating people and forcing them to do labor against their will. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that, then you recognize that that's part of the foundation of psychology mm-hmm. in the United States. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's this constant idea that what our people are doing Um, that there's something wrong with us Mm -hmm. and that it's a mental health condition Mm -hmm. and that we need to be treated and often treated in um, the interventions that need to happen to fix us Mm -hmm. are these harsh interventions. Mm -hmm. So it's beating, it's unpaid labor. Mm -hmm. If we move forward, then we know that historically African Americans and particularly African American men were overdiagnosed with schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. And then the intervention is then let's give them medication because we're too stupid to do therapy. So therapy's not gonna work on us. So we just need to over medicate people. So we've seen that trend in psychology. And when we're being honest about psychology, even when we have PhDs in psychology, it's important for us to just be honest about the his- history of this profession that we practice. Mm-hmm. And when we're honest about that, then we can look at more contemporary examples. Mm-hmm. I would say a contemporary example is like an area of psychological assessment. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we see now is that we're supposed to have this, um, They have the parity laws that have been passed, I think, in 2008 that say that people should be able to access mental health care the same way that they can access physical health care when Mm -hmm. they have insurance. Mm -hmm. Well, you see interesting things that happen when people are on and have their children that receive Medicaid benefits. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this happens to you all in North Carolina, but this happens here, is that if someone has private insurance they typically, in some of the, in most of the Medicaid's, then they typically can access health care, mental health care services without kind of barriers. Mm -hmm. There's one insurance company in particular where this insurance company has begun to tell us that in terms of psychological assessment, which is not some kind of intervention, we're not giving a pill, mm-hmm. we're actually figuring out what's the diagnosis for this child, that we can't do that unless one, we see the child for X number of sessions, which that one seems harmless. Okay, mm-hmm. see the child for you know six, eight sessions right. and see what's going on the um, but in addition to that they say well you should you know in X number of sessions you should be able to figure out what's going on with right, the child Right. and you know as a psychologist mm-hmm. that's not always true exactly. you sometimes need a psychological um, assessments to be able to figure out exactly what's going on with the child so then what these insurance this one particular insurance company also says is well we don't really wanna let this child have a psychological evaluation. You should give them medication first. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing therapy and you give the child medication and then that fails, then we'll think about giving letting you do a psychological evaluation. Mm-hmm. Now think about this. <laughs> So you and I both know, because mm-hmm. of our mm-hmm. class status, right. our children wouldn't have to have that experience. So basically, you're saying that poor children in the South—that's going to be mostly poor Black children—in mm-hmm. order for them to be able to access psychological assessment, where it's a non-invasive intervention, you've got to give them a chemical to alter their brain first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's contemporary racism. Right, right,
0: and people don't understand that. Mm -hmm. They go to see their provider and they think, oh, this is the expert. Mm -hmm. They know what they're talking about. I have to listen and I have to do what Mm -hmm. they're asking me to do. And so part of what we're constantly having to do is educate people about these various things as well Mm -hmm. so that they can know, no, you don't have to do that. There are other choices. There are other ways of treating um, these things that that, that we're faced with Mm -hmm. and we don't have to just follow the line of, of what they're Having us, what they would want us to do.
1: And the interesting thing is that I've um, been fortunate because I work with some really good providers. So I have providers that look like the people that they're providing service Mm -hmm, to. mm -hmm. And so they'll tell the parents, I'm not going to give, and these are pediatricians. Uh So they'll say, I'm not going to give your child this medication until you go to the psychologist and get a psychological evaluation Mm -hmm. and have a um, firm diagnosis. And then we'll decide medication. Right insurance companies not all but this one in particular Mm -hmm. this particular insurance company is like no get the medication first Mm -hmm. that is complete insanity and particularly because when you look at other insurance companies that isn't happening
0: right and we could say that this is about money right
1: oh yeah Yeah. absolutely
0: it's always about money And money.
1: (laughs) and what's crazy is like Anybody that does psychological assessments and they do them for folks that are on Medicaid, they're really doing that as a social justice and mm-hmm. kind of a community right. give back right. because the pay is so low, mm-hmm. you can barely cover the cost that it takes you to actually administer the assessments. Right. I don't know if you administer assessments. Yeah, yeah but I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not like you're making a lot of money from exactly. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they're saving money on their end. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so that's historical racism. Uh-huh. There's a trauma associated with this historical racism as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is, I would say, embedded in our genes to some degree. You know, epigenetic Mm -hmm. stuff talks about um, how it's just been passed down. Um, And you have a specialty in trauma. Mm -hmm. So let's start, let's, let's transition into that, but tie the historical trauma together with Kind of what you see in terms of meeting the mental health needs of folks that are coming in today who don't even necessarily know that they're having to deal with trauma. They think they're dealing with something else, but the trauma is overlying it and you know, causing some of the problems that are there.
1: Hmm, okay, so we're gonna go way off the deep end. You might end up <laughs> ending this
0: out. <laughs> it's all necessary. We're oh, learning.
1: So, okay, so one time I had this brother who's sitting right there where you're sitting. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't remember if he was saying that there was some like psychosis, like hearing or seeing stuff that wasn't really there. I don't remember if he's saying that. No, okay, no, I do. He said that he was seeing stuff. So he's applying. Um, he was probably, it was probably social security evaluation. So let's say he's applying for social security disability. Mm-hmm. He's saying he's got, I don't know what condition. And as I sit and talk to him, he starts telling me about seeing this. And man, he said, it's an African man. And this guy, um, he, he wasn't somebody that I would expect. Back to kind of have this detail of somebody with, you know, these African features and stuff like that. So I kind of just paid attention when he said it. And he was like, it was this man and he had this red on and it was like he was a king. And I was like, huh, interesting. And I'm listening to him and he said he had, um, I don't remember if it was a crown, but whatever he described, it was like something mm-hmm. a- equivalent to a crown, like a king. So he could tell that this person was a person of African descent. he said, like I've seen him several times. And then there was this thunderbolt in front of me. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, I uh, I was like, oh man. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he wanted to know what I was thinking. And I just like, you know, went on to listen to Mm -hmm. the rest of the interview and Mm -hmm. I completed. I don't even I was so thrown off by what he said Uh that I didn't even think about the rest of it. Um, so I, I just honestly don't remember. And so the interesting part about that, I saw that kind of from more of a positive standpoint Mm -hmm. in terms of So what I realized is that we were talking is that there's a Yoruba deity Shango Mm -hmm. And so that he was seeing this Yoruba deity. Mm -hmm. Now this brother didn't know anything about Yoruba deities Mm -hmm. or um, he didn't know anything about Shango or anything like that but down, passed down in his genes, um, spiritually, what was passed down from from him was the ability to be able to see this particular deity, mm-hmm. and it's an African deity. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's dope. Despite wow. all the trauma and all the things that happen, all the efforts to pull us away from our worldview and our traditions, like no matter what happens, we always gonna come black. Mm-hmm. That is just so mm-hmm. dope. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's um, experience. I've had other experiences like that, but that was the one, the first one that like really stood out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, really strong. I've had other experiences where I see stuff that's definitely passed down, where um, I'm particularly interested in psychosis and what's the difference between um, actual psychosis—that's an organic brain illness—and someone that's having a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, I've spent a lot of time trying to be uh, being able to figure that out and right. talk to my staff about being able to tease those things apart, and then also recognizing sometimes it's both mm-hmm. of those okay. things.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And. I see some of that stuff is passed down. Mm -hmm. So you'll sometimes see somebody and there's no logical explanation for everything that they're experiencing. And from an epigenetic perspective, you can see that this is just trauma that's been passed down Mm -hmm. one generation Mm -hmm. after the next. And so that's kind of interesting to recognize that you can see that in the therapy room.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, got so much here. This is just so (laughs) rich. Now, let me, let, me go, let me go this okay. way first. For you to even be able to identify what was going on with him
1: mm-hmm.
0: requires that you have been able to tap into or be aware of a certain area of knowledge that most psychologists aren't going to even, they aren't going to know what that mm-hmm. is. So they're going to hear that same thing that you heard, mm-hmm. the thunderbolt, the mm-hmm. red, mm-hmm they're not gonna make the same connection. Mm -hmm. So that's speaking to the need to really have someone that's culturally competent Mm -hmm. and at least has an idea of who you are and where you have come from, not only right Mm -hmm. now in the moment, Mm -hmm. but historically.
1: Historically, yeah. Like, How can you even, Mm -hmm. if
0: you're going to see another provider that has no idea whatsoever about anything African, Mm -hmm. they would never make that conclusion they would never ever it would never even come in their mind they would just write down schizophrenic this person is seeing things that because in their mind they've never saw anything like that
1: i think what they would have seen with that particular brother is that he's just hustling the system Mm -hmm. because that's what it looked like Mm -hmm. so when i was saying you know it didn't look like he was you know, mm-hmm. would know anything about this particular. It just looked like he was hustling a system. Mm-hmm. And so you have to really sit there and recognize like, oh, no, this part that he's saying, mm-hmm. this is legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, wow. And you, you would have to have this historical knowledge of what that possibly could be that he was saying. And even if you have the knowledge, because I have people that may have the knowledge, but not just dismiss it. Right. as something that's coincidental. Sure. I was very clear that that wasn't coincidental
0: for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. all right. So, what then about how you work with that person?
1: Hmm. I mean, so that wasn't an ongoing thing. So that was Right, a no, I'm just saying thing. in general, yes. in, in
0: so. general, if you find somebody that's coming in and they, they're dealing with this generational trauma,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, what are things that you can do to help them, one, become aware of it, and two, do the things to try to break those patterns that have existed for multiple mm-hmm. generations
1: so um so i mean i guess i'll go this way. i kind of try to be careful mm-hmm. um when i talk about this because I, I mean i've had experiences like this so i will use uh, indigenous healers or um yoruba priest or African shamans or Apollo folks or Mm -hmm. I mean and mediums I've used like different people Mm -hmm. um I I shouldn't say I use I've worked in collaboration Mm -hmm. with different people Mm -hmm. um to with some clients but I'm very careful Okay. in that process. So mm-hmm. one, I don't bring it up to clients. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, I'm not going to just say, oh, this is something that you should do. Right. So I take a long time to like get to know people mm-hmm. and kind of really establish a rapport mm-hmm. and um, get to understand what their spiritual perspective is. Yeah. Even if I have somebody, because we live in the South, so lots of um, mm-hmm. African Americans are Christian. Mm-hmm. If I have somebody that's um, really Christian, I know places where I can send them within their faith system that can help them kind of figure something out. Sure, so like, sure. you know, as opposed to a medium, you know, we could talk about a prophetess or mm-hmm. something like right. that sure. and um, send that person kind of in that direction. And so I'm doing a lot of assessment and evaluation first. What I have found, so what I've decided to um, call it, to describe it as is people's ancestors will send them here. hmm and so it ends up being brought up, mm-hmm. even if I'm not trying to talk about it right. Right. <laughs> in all kinds of interesting yes. ways, yes, yes, yes. the clients will end up bringing it up. And so I had one um, client in particular The a story too long to go into, but we ended up working with him and his son and um, working with the medium also. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was happening is there was a lot of tension um, and things weren't going well between father and son. And and the son was really kind of um, showing a lot of behavioral concerns. And the medium came and talked to both of them. And I was nervous because I was thinking that the son was not interested Mm -hmm. in the dad. I mean, he's just kind of like this big burly dude. And I was like, oh, he don't think this is like crazy. But I started to see him like kind of tear up and wipe away. And I was like, all right, he's good. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards I talked to the son and the son was like, oh, I believe that a hundred percent. And it was so interesting. Mm -hmm. And in that process, They were taught the medium was talking, um, talked to their ancestors and kind of brought um, historical trauma forward. Mm -hmm. And part of the historical trauma was that they had constantly been... um, mistreated in this family Mm. and so part of what the son was do was experiencing is some of that ongoing mistreatment Mm -hmm. so like really harsh punishment um really kind of the sense of you know children to be seen not heard Mm -hmm. and um the father was able to hear that from this outside entity and really be able to take time to really think about did he want to continue that behavior towards his son Mm -hmm. and it was interesting because kind of the conclusion of that was we didn't think that this son was going to graduate and the next time I saw him which was a few months later he had actually graduated early because they actually sent him to a program Mm -hmm. and he was able to finish um high school early so we were like Mm-hmm. So I saw that as a, a really powerful intervention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So now we're getting it. I, I didn't expect to first be talking <laughs> about this, but this is this is the great thing about you know meeting people and talking about and finding their stories. So there's so there's so much. It's rich. Um, so the way I'm hearing what you're saying is there is a marriage or a merge or a connection between spirit and psychology.
1: Oh, absolutely! That absolutely.
0: Western psychology definitely doesn't. <laughs> I, yeah, I can say that. They, I don't think they really acknowledge that. Right? There's more. There's of
1: some, a, but not a lot.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But there's definitely something there. Even, in, even the way you say, you know, the ancestors bring people mm-hmm. that need to be here, mm-hmm. here because they recognize that you have something to offer that the traditional psychologists might not even some traditional black psychologists mm-hmm. might, might not even have that. Yeah. Right. Because our training teaches us to separate those, those things two separate. Things out. Right. Right? Um, but there are those of us that understand that it's not necessarily the case. And I think similar to you, I, I never bring it to people, mm-hmm. but if they keep coming and they, and they're bringing it to me, then I give them things to think about is the mm-hmm. way it's information right. and it's up to them to decide to act on that information. Um, fortunately for me, my intuition is pretty good mm-hmm. and, and I'm pretty tapped in. So I've never had a case where I brought it up and someone has been like, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Like it's normally, and it, so I would say it doesn't even maybe 20%, 25% of the times the people that come in my practice, but most of the time, I'm not, I'm not going down that down that lane but there are times where it is necessary Mm -hmm. and for those people the progress and the change has been exponential and just really just boom Mm -hmm. people taking off doing things like i didn't see that when they first came (laughs) like whoa that's amazing like taking it and doing things with it i never ever would have thought but it's not about me right Mm -hmm. spirit knows what needs to happen right yeah
1: and so, and there's actually a flip side of that. I was actually talking with a mom this week and people come here because, you know, they see all the crystals and the woo-woo stuff and it's like, oh, <laughs> she's in all that African indigenous healing and, you know, she's initiated to fight, I'm sure. And so they have all these, you know, ideas about me, mm-hmm. um, that aren't always true because one of the things I do believe in is I believe in psychotropic medication. Mm-hmm. Now that's, you know, people going to be like, oh, that's the devil. Is you know, that's, something, you know, you believe it in big pharma, but I remember being in grad school and there was this little boy that came and they were wondering whether or not um, I was working for a psychologist and I had to test him to figure out whether or not he had ADHD. And of course, I'm like, ah, oh, ADHD is something that's made up, you know, that I'm trying to give our black children medication. By the time I was well, done but with that, that is little true. Boy, too, that is true. That's <laughs> absolutely true. That is absolutely true. But by the time I was done with that little boy, I was like... There is some medication to treat. This is not normal behavior. And I had children. So I was like, I know that this is not normal behavior. Um, And so I, going back, I had a mom that I was talking to this week and I, as I was talking to her and I'm all for like people being able to see spirits and talk to their ancestors and, you know, being really tapped in, I believe, um, in, in people being mediums and all this kinds of stuff. So I've seen stuff that most people would not believe. So I'm very open, mm-hmm. but I was talking um, about um, talking with the mom about her daughter. And I was very clear that this wasn't like a spiritual thing. This child um, and had other stuff going on, but I also knew that she was delusional. Mm-hmm. So she was very young. Her thoughts were very scattered. Um, They were just delusional thoughts. And I was like, okay, so we're seeing the early onset of psychosis. Mm -hmm. And you and I know that the prognosis for that is not good. And so I was talking to the mom. I'd spoken to her before and I said it to her again this week. Like, she needs medication. Mm -hmm. And the first time I brought it up to mom, she's like, absolutely not. I want to do medication. And then she came back in, you know, again and was really kind of focused on like giving herbs and stuff like that and I just had to, you know, I I I switched. So sometimes I say I you know, take off my psychologist hat and put on my sister hat and I'm mm-hmm. just like, look, as one mom to another, mm-hmm. I'm saying right here, right now, your child needs medication because mm-hmm. if we can't get her stabilized, her long term trajectory is gonna be really bad. Right. Um yeah. And I didn't want to see that for a little black girl. I want to see you being able to live your full potential. You can't live your full potential if your mind is scattered.
0: Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, for me, that's the balance. Mm-hmm. And I think, I would hope, I would like to think that's why people feel more confident with us mm-hmm. because. I'm not going to just randomly tell you to take medication. I'm going to be open to the alternative things that you do. But when I get to the point where I say you need medication, it's because you need medication. Right, right. Yeah.
0: You know, what, I, what I'm hearing mm-hmm. is that you're not wedded to one thing. Like you're open to whatever it might be and using your intuitive sense in, in, in addition to the knowledge that you possess to, to figure out. What is it that this particular situation requires and then to do that thing? Because some people mm-hmm. get wed like, oh, never any medication. or some people's like, mm-hmm. always medicate. They're like people get locked into their way of doing it mm-hmm. as opposed to considering that there are myriad ways of approaching a, a given situation mm-hmm. and being open to that.
1: Interesting. Okay. I never thought about it that way. So thank mm-hmm. you for that reframe. Yeah. See, that's why you got to talk to psychology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, think. I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah. 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 So, I mean, I am trying to focus on each individual person mm-hmm. and trying to focus on developing my intuition. So I feel like sure. my intuition mm-hmm. um, helps me know what direction to need, sure. that I need to go okay. in with people.
0: Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Good, mm-hmm. good stuff. So... Let's talk a little bit about your um, specific trauma work and how Mm -hmm. you got into specializing in that. Uh, How did that come about?
1: You want to edit this? Okay. Uh, I want to tell the truth about how I got into trauma work. Okay. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about that.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, sorry. It, it's
0: okay. You want to talk about your book? Well, I, okay. Let me say it. Like, let me let me rephrase. Hold you on. can just oh. yeah. Okay. So, what would you say about? Wait. That's, that's, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's for my editor. Got it. that You got it. So, what would you say about how you? Understand trauma work and why it's important for you In a broad sense.
1: Yeah, Um, I Start with the foundation of what I tell my staff Then it's my definition of trauma. It's a threat to the safety and security of yourself your family or your community Mm -hmm. so when I think about it from that perspective, that's really broad, broad and then particularly for people of African descent because mm-hmm. then we can think about transgenerational trauma, think about the maafa, mm-hmm. or, you know, enslavement and all the pieces of enslavement mm-hmm. that have impacted us and the things that happened before then and the things that have happened afterwards. And then not only just look at individual traumas, but then look at community traumas, look at family traumas and... I began to realize that it was really important to see stuff in this broad perspective. Mm -hmm. So when I started working with um, clients, I would have clients that would be really angry. Like, let's say really quick, I remember working with one woman who had been raped as a child Mm -hmm. um, repeatedly by a relative. She was very angry at her parents for not protecting her. And she was from the South. And lots of folks, you know, kind of have these, you know, migration one way or another. You know, and when your kids were little and, and they get out of school for the summer, they may go stay with a relative. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was where the rape was happening, when she mm. was going to stay with the relative. And part of the way that we would be able to work through that, I mean, I use kind of traditional Western interventions to be able to work through the trauma. But then also layered on top of that was to be able to understand family history Mm -hmm. and this anger that she was placing on both of her parents. Not that we were dismissing that her parents should have picked up on something, but then also being able to kind of just look at things from this kind of complicated perspective. One of the fact that her, she grew up in a time where she grew up in the segregated South Her parents um, had a very large family at a very young age. Her father had a degree. He was being discriminated against because he was black Mm -hmm. and he couldn't Mm -hmm. adequately um, take care of his family. So then there was a lot of substance abuse that occurred in the family. There was a lot of dynamics that went on in the family Mm -hmm. that caused her parents not to be fully attentive to the fact that something was going on and her personality was changing every time she was sent with these relatives for the summer. Mm-hmm. And the more that we unpack that, the more that we looked at it from the perspective of black people and historically, all the things that can happen within a family and a community and all the traumas that happen, not just to you individually, but happen to her parents in that community, mm-hmm. then it, um, I'm kind of I feel kind of proud of this. Like I remember just her having this sense of like, I'm done, mm-hmm. I can release this.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, cause she was able to see that situation from the perspective of her being an adult mm-hmm. and not no longer processing it from the perspective of being a child. Right. And recognizing that there was a lot of trauma that was happening mm-hmm. that was causing her to be in pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and being able to let that go. Yeah, is, that was, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I love that. Um, yeah.
1: that experience. That was one of the more powerful experiences I had doing trauma work. Okay, yeah.
0: okay, good. And so now you're doing a lot of assessment uh, work. Hey. Uh, <laughs> um, there are various different assessments that you you, you and your staff do here. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about the various assessments and why those are important um, for various reasons and working with folks?
1: Sure. And so um, just as a point of manifestation, I just <laughs> I even want to just do this for people that think about theory. Therapy, so I don't want to. I don't want to box myself in as doing a lot of assessments. Mm. The way I primarily make money is traveling and speaking. Mm. Okay, okay. <laughs> Not doing a lot of assessments. <laughs> okay. I was like okay. the universe will be hearing if I say yes, the universe will hear the wrong thing. Sure, sure. But in terms of assessments, so for young children, let's just start with that because uh-huh. that's easy. Um, so, lots of times there are things that are going on psychologically with children that we need to be able to understand and be able to help those children, particularly in early childhood. Mm-hmm. So things that are brain or genetically based, like autism mm-hmm. or some type of intellectual difference when it is a legitimate intellectual difference and is impacting the child's functioning, we wanna be able to identify it early and have culturally appropriate interventions. Okay. And I'm sure you know, um, particularly with African American boys, they're often underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed when it comes to autism. Right. I just had a um, really interesting experience. And so actually, let's just transition to that, to what it looks like when we do this with adults. So we'll do a similar thing. So there's a, a couple of ways. So we do um, evaluations that are called Fitness for Duty. So mm-hmm. basically, um, anybody that is in some kind of safety-sensitive position, then their employer might send them to us. And we, we need to figure out whether or not they can still do that job and do right. that job safely. Mm-hmm. Uh, But we can also do it for, we've had, um, we'll have college students that may never have been diagnosed before, but are struggling in college, and then they come to us. And we recently had a student, and it was really interesting, because he had actually already graduated, so I shouldn't say a student, so it was a young uh, man who had already graduated from school, went to a really good undergrad and wasn't able to keep a job, having a lot of family conflict, came in um, with a referral. His mother suggested that he come in and he just decided to cooperate. And initially I thought he was just being difficult. And the Hmm. more that I sat with him, and um, so I sat with him initially because he was actually going to, I was helping to do the intake because he was gonna see one of our other clinicians. The more that I sat with him and I heard this one story where he had gotten expelled off campus, I was thinking, oh, mm. I think I know what's going on. Right. The and social piece. The social big. piece, mm-hmm. really, really super smart. Mm-hmm. Very smart. But nobody was ever looking at the social piece. And I'm fairly sure that he was on the autistic spectrum Mm -hmm. someplace, but had never been diagnosed because people are focusing on that you can progress to these classes and you're doing all these things and really smart. And you know, there's the stereotype that black men and young black men are not doing anything. Mm -hmm. They're in jail or, you know, doing something else Mm -hmm. or selling drugs or something like that. So if you believe in those stereotypes and then somebody's doing well in school, then you're only focused on the academic piece. You're not focused on the social piece. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I uh, began to realize, like, oh, he, so he came in for therapy, but I realized, like, he actually needs a psychological assessment right, right. because we need to find out what his diagnosis was. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not just that he's being a jerk. I think that he's moving through the world in this way, and he doesn't get the social cues to be able to right, have the social right, bonds right, with people. Right. And so that's what we're doing kind of in that full spectrum mm-hmm. is being able to catch it in it catch diagnoses in early childhood and look at those things from a culturally relevant perspective, Mm -hmm. but then also later on down the line, being able to do that same thing. So like looking at those two things as anchors, is like, we're going to be able to catch you wherever you are Mm -hmm. and make sure that you get the appropriate diagnosis and you're not misdiagnosed. Um, and then also sometimes we're actually removing diagnoses cause we'll see people yeah. and we're like, okay, so that's not the right diagnosis. Mm-hmm. This is what's going on with this person. Yeah. yeah.
0: Again, the cultural re- relevancy mm-hmm. of being able to appreciate it because seeing somebody else, they're not going to consider that. They're just automatically going to say it's behavioral. Mm-hmm. And you know, with me, I'm trying to figure out the puzzle, like mm-hmm. what's going on here? and just like you i've had a number of situations where that that we go through everything it's like you know the social cues and then it's like okay they're not catching and nobody ever how 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 has he gone through all of these years of school all of these different psychologists and nobody's ever caught that
1: and i think that's the cultural piece and i've been thinking about that a lot so i mean autism is kind of like over here I see a, I've seen a lot of men, I've seen psychologists, I've seen, you know, men with advanced degrees and I've, I was actually thinking about this earlier today where I've seen a number of men, um, black men specifically, mm-hmm. who were really smart and very high, if you think of the stereotype of IQs, probably had really high IQs, mm-hmm. but very low social IQs. Right, right, right. And I realized that people aren't addressing that. Right. So we get focused so much on the academics. I see people posting on, you know, social media all the time. They may post a 14-year-old that graduated from college. I'm actually not impressed with that. Yeah.
0: I'm like, the emotional maturity. You can have a whole lot of intellectual, but the emotional maturity is not there. You're Mm-mm. doing a disservice to that person. Yeah. I, I, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. No,
1: I, yeah. I was just like, <laughs> I'm never <laughs> impressed By that at all, because Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's no way in terms of, like you said, the emotional maturity, a 14 year old does not possess the emotional maturity to graduate from college or, you know, go to medical school or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm sorry. And so I've seen that in adults where Mm -hmm. they can't function. And I really have been, um... Interested in that specifically as it relates to black men because I think it's one of the areas that we're doing a disservice to black mm-hmm. men if we're raising up young African American males and we're focused on academics, but we're not also requiring can they play? Can they get along in the sandbox? Right.
0: Hmm. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This. That's. These are things that people. This is why we're doing this podcast mm-hmm. because more people need to be knowing about these types of issues right Mm -hmm. otherwise it's just our pockets Mm -hmm. and it it gets missed Mm -hmm. so the more people can talk about it it's not about there are a number of different ways like we said earlier there are a number of different ways to approach it but at least have the um the 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 broad circumference to be able to consider something else other Mm -hmm. than what your narrow focus might might have been mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Good work. yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you for coming.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit as we wrap up here. Mm-hmm. Just um, go through uh, kind of the makeup of your staff. How people can get in touch with you. Um, that type of thing.
1: Sure. So, so we have schools. Um, the school side. Psych- well, we do have school side. Psych- we have several school psychologists on staff. that mm-hmm. generally do. Um, Assessments, but we also have um, myself. I am um, an adult psychologist that do that focuses on psychological assessments. We have a master's level, so an LPC, a master's mm-hmm. level counselor who um, works with adults and children, and then we have a child psychologist, Dr. Sam Maddox. Who um, focuses obviously on the children. Okay. And then we have another, um, just new, brand new trainee, Shaday Bow- Bowman. And I'm um, mm-hmm. really excited to be working with her. And so mm-hmm. she um, works with children. And oh, Calvin, that you met earlier. Mm-hmm. So Calvin's one, of, he's our assessment coordinator. So we've got like a small, but like really good staff of mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. Um, to be able to do the counseling and psychological assessment. And then which we didn't really touch much on is um, so we do and then we invite speakers in to do continuing education workshops okay and so we've actually flown people in from out of state to do continuing education because okay. our focus is really wanting psychologists and other mental health professionals to know how to treat our people mm-hmm. and, um, and broadly be able to treat anybody who is dealing in with alternative or indigenous healing practices Mm -hmm. and really just be able to in general be able to um, deal with cultural competency Mm -hmm. and so kind of the best way to reach us is one either by phone which is 404 635 6021 -hmm. again 404 635 6021 the other way to reach us is online and our website is www dot a healing com. so i always tell people it's a the letter a mm-hmm. the word healing and paradigm p-a-r-a-d-i-g-m dot com okay yeah
0: okay good good so people should definitely in atlanta area you take people from all over
1: yeah you know, so people will come yeah. like we've had it's it's Bit interesting and it's part of because i do i mean we didn't talk about this but because of my work where i'm traveling mm-hmm. and so i've met people in you know a number of different countries so people even come here mm-hmm. and have stuff done so we've actually you know done consults in other countries okay um for psychological services oh good stuff yeah yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. okay yeah. Great, we need to have more conversations about this. So, and, and we need to spread it uh, as far as we can. I was in South Africa um, working yeah. with some psychologists and traditional healers there, and just mm-hmm. amazing dialogue and conversation, oh, and the synergy of how the work is being done with the different, um, you know, the, the the racism and the the historical trauma that is there. You can see parallels. Mm-hmm. Uh, people of color are catching hell all over the world, <laughs> and so yeah. um, being able to have people who understand that and can work with them from a culturally relevant perspective, I think, is vitally important. Yeah. So, so glad that you're out there doing doing the work, and that this um, institution exists thank and you. is doing work to help people heal at, at a healing paradigm. Yay. So, thank you so thank much. You. Um, Thank you all for joining us and for partaking in and listening to this, this dialogue, this conversation. If you have questions, feedback you would like to offer, please um, tap into uh, Heart Mind Healer on Twitter. Um, go to my website um, Alashay.net, a l a s c .net. Leave us feedback there. We're always looking for that to um, see how we can improve and answer those questions that you have that help make your mental health journey that much more better. In closing, I want to remind you to always be a critical thinker as it relates to your mental health and well-being. We always want to inspire you to consciously question your choices to ensure that you are doing those things that bring you happiness and fulfillment. Please don't forget to subscribe to our channel and share the information with others who might benefit. Connect with us on Twitter at HeartMindHealer and visit our Facebook and Instagram pages at Alase Center, A-L-A-S-E Center. Our website is alase.net, A-L-A-S-E dot And feel free to contact us for any consultations or questions you might have.